Welcome, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I'm your host, Paul Niefer, and today we're going to have a conversation with Tony Schwark from, what, North Central Iowa? Whereabouts are you located, Tony? Uh, We're right in the center of the state on the northern edge. We're 10 miles from the Minnesota border, a little town called Wrightsville. Okay, so you're near the, uh, what is it called, the Flojo Casino right there on I-35, or what's that thing called? Oh, Diamond Joe. Diamond Joe. Well, I was close. Flo Joe, Diamond Joe. But uh, I've I've driven by that thing so many times because I I do a lot of driving between Minneapolis and Des Moines when I'm in the Midwest. And uh, and I've stopped at the uh, there's a little service station there that's pretty nice. I've stopped there a few times. Oh, sure. Yeah, we'd be straight east of there. Are you guys getting hit by the drought a little bit or are you okay? Or I shouldn't say drought, but I mean, I know Western... Iowa has been dry, but it seems like I-35 is sort of the dividing line. So I'm wondering how you guys are looking. Well, I, I hate to say it, but uh, we are the lucky ones this year. We're we're uh, we're very blessed. We've had timely rains, and we got a really nice crop growing. Okay, good, good, good. I have some ground east and south of you, probably about a hundred and some miles. And uh, according to my farmer that's growing the crop, he says it's looking really good too. So. Uh, uh, but, you know, that isn't true every year. No. Oh, okay. Well, we always start off with uh, sort of a brief outline of your of uh, where you started from, your career and going into the farm operation. But uh, let's let's just go through what's what's your background. Well, uh, I'm a third generation farmer. I've been blessed with good mentors. My dad's still active. My grandfather's still active. Uh, they both ran successful operations. Uh, we've been, well, I've been involved, you know, all through high school. Uh, always had an interest. Graduated high school in 2003. Started right in the farming operation. More so, that, you know, my need then was as a laborer. The, so, you know, I, that's where I filled the gap. That's how they brought me on board. And as time went on, uh, every year they just put more responsibility into my hands. Uh, you know, whenever they, they had some important meetings, even when I was young, I was always there listening. So I, I gained a lot of knowledge through them. Uh, my wife, you know, we got married along the way. Uh, my wife, Erica, she's very uh, involved in our operation. She keeps our books. Uh, she helps in the operation when she's needed. She'll run a tractor. She'll help at the feed yard. Uh, so she's, she's involved also. I got a brother that uh, he's very knowledgeable in the cattle industry, so he's a great great asset to have so we're we're a very very family oriented operation here we got two children it's actually my daughter annalise sixth birthday today oh good yeah yeah so she's having a special day and then we have a, a son axton and he's three so that's kind of the gist of our our operation well the good news if they're six and three they still think mom and dad are pretty smart and pretty special you give about another 10 years you may or may not be so lucky. <laughs> I, I fully understand. <laughs> of course, we go back to that time period for us. Maybe, uh, maybe we didn't treat our parents the best either. You know, you never know. You just never know. So, uh, but uh, so, I I know that you 
started out, but then you were sort of running the numbers. I know you both you and your wife are very number orientated. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But uh, what made your decision to go into the beef finishing side? Well, as uh, you know, as we we gained our our parents and grandparents confidence, uh, you know, they were kind of stepping back. We had a we had a really successful grain operation, a row crop operation. And the one thing, you know, that we had, we had some time, you know, we had a lag. We had late summers were slow, you know, you get ready for a harvest, uh, but you had some time and winters were always, uh, they were always kind of a slow time. And uh, you go to that numbers thing, uh, when I sat down and thought, well, how can we complement this row crop operation without having to go to town, get jobs? So the first thing that came to mind, we looked at these, uh, these hog integrators and we we were pretty close to pulling the trigger because what we needed to do at that time we needed to expand to really utilize our our team efforts and we needed to have some uh we needed to have some depreciating assets to uh, go along our way and the hog barns they fulfilled that um you know th there's a lot of good things about them but the thing that took me further in our operation that took us to the beef feeding operation was utilizing the corn as a feedstock uh, in our, in, you know, we can take the corn, homegrown corn yep. and feed it to those beef animals. And that's what pushed us over the edge. That's what got us into the beef feeding operation. We killed the, we got our depreciation that we we're looking for. Plus we get to utilize, utilize the corn and it, it saved us. We're, we're also at a stage where, well, if we keep continuing to, grow the grain operation and put even with the hog up or the hog setup we were going to have to expand our drying setup and our truck infrastructure so this just kind of it really has complemented what what we already had established uh, i'll put it that way so on your on your corn the corn that you're using to feed the beef are you doing more of a, a high moisture and then and then putting it in a pit or because you were talking about having to increase your your drying and so on, is, is is that what you're doing? I'm just sort of curious for the listeners out there. That's exactly what we're doing. So we still had to put in some facilities. We put in some bunkers, uh, some cement bunkers. We got some commodity sheds. So we still had some facilities that were needed, but we're able to utilize that corn wet, to yep. the, and we can start our harvest sooner. Um, so that's been that's been a big plus. So when, uh, for again, for the listeners out there, you know, they understand, okay, we got corn that we're going to sell to an elevator and we got to dry it down to whatever the moisture is, 12, 14, whatever, 15, whatever it might be. Uh, what, when are you typically harvesting high moisture corn and what's, what's sort of that sweet spot that you like the moisture to be at? Well, when we put, uh, when we put corn in the bunker for your lynch, we that's when we, we're taking the whole the cob, the husk, and the the whole cob and husk, uh, and we grind that, and we, we get a product that, that we call earlidge. Yep. When we do that, we like, you know, if we could be out there when the whole field black layers, about 32, 30 to 32% is ideal on that product, and high moisture corn, you know, we like to see that around 22 to 24%. Okay. So on your yearlage, again, for the listeners, because I, I know I've not had a podcast yet where we've used the term yearlage. Now out in our area, 
we have a fair amount of that. But so how do you harvest that to where you're actually just getting, is there a, something you have to do with the combine or is this a different piece of equipment? But just for the listeners, uh, go through how that process is. Uh, it's, it's uh, so the custom, we, we hire this done. It's a chopper, a, a forage harvester. And they take the they take the silage or the rope or the they take the silage head off and they put in a kernel processor into their machine and they, then they just take a standard corn head and put that on their their machine and that's they're, they're gathering all the ears and the husks and they're grinding it uh into one one mix so that's how okay. they do it. Okay. Okay. Like I say, that's, I, I'm pretty sure this is the first time on a podcast I've used the word yearlage. So, uh, <laughs> but yep. uh, and then now just snaplage as well. Snap snaplage. So what, what is snaplage then? It's the same term, just uh, it's taking the, the cob and the whole ear and grinding it into a, a feed. Okay. So in the actual forage harvester, they're doing all the grinding there, or do you have to then do further grinding at your, at your end? No, once it's through that forage harvester, it goes into a silage wagon and they dump that into our bunker and we pack that. We pack that with the packing tractor and, and squeeze all the oxygen out of it. And then we cover it with the plastic, uh, plastic barrier and then put tires on top to keep the air out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then, and then out of store for, for months or even longer, doesn't it? Yeah. Like right now we're finishing up a year's worth. We're, we're just about out of last year's and ready for new crop. Now in our area or in the West, when we think of beef finishing or a feedlot, uh, you know, we're typically thinking of a large open air, you know, we got fencing and so on, but it's open air. The cattle are outside all the time. But, you know, typically when I'm going through the Midwest and I see a beef finishing, I see it more under under a shelter. What what type of operation do you have? Uh, we have a little bit of a little bit of everything. So our main facility is a monitor slope. So it's open to the it is open to the south. It collects sunlight, has a roof, a big it's an overhead roof. It collects sunlight and it lets good airflow through. They work well in the Midwest. Uh, they're, they're very popular and that's yep. got, that's got uh, those cattle are on rubber mats. It's a slatted facility. So the manure, it's, it's pretty, pretty modern. The manure goes below. We pump that manure twice a year in the spring and the fall. So that's where we do our, our finishing. Uh, so when the cattle get to be 900 to a thousand pounds, we put them in there for the last finishing phase. But when we also have some backgrounding facilities, which are open yards, uh, they got some kind of shelters, some sheds somewhere, a little more space. Uh, we, we start cattle there with uh, good working facilities on board. And we've also, uh, you know, being we're kind of in that, you know, that buzzword floating around the cover crops. Everybody's talking about cover crops and we found a niche with cover crops. So if you drive by our farm today, You'll see a herd of cow-calf pairs out there grazing. You know, we're 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 trying to capture that whole cycle. We're we're planting the cover crops, but then we're grazing them off with these cows. And so we we got a little bit of everything. We're pretty diverse in our cattle operation, uh, and it it seems to be working pretty good. Good, good. Now, in your backgrounding, where are you buying that cattle from? Are you getting that uh, out of Kansas, Oklahoma? Or is it local, or where where would you be buying that from? Well. 
We like to go west, uh, not always. Uh, we're, our, our main concern is a good quality calf. Uh, you know, that's if we can find them local, we sure like to keep them local. But we do, we go into South Dakota quite a bit, Eastern Montana. Uh, we've developed some relationships out there with some good people. They send us good quality animals consistently. So we, we like that area. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, well, and then my dad was born in South Dakota, Selby, South Dakota. So I got a little warm heart for South Dakota, even though I don't live there. I still got a warm heart there. So you bet. So now before you actually got into the bee finishing, you were, you know, a row crop operation. Let's let's maybe back up a, a minute and just describe, you know, what did that look like before you went into the bee finishing side? Well, I guess when I started, um, you know, a lot of, lot of labor, you know, I was a hands-on guy, um, you know, working in the, the, the shop, getting machinery ready. And then also, you know, I was out there in the fields doing the spraying, the side dressing, uh, hauling the grain, watching, you know, filling bends. And then also, you know, I was, and I still do, uh, keeping track of the bends. Once you get the grain in the bends, you know, make sure it's, it's storing well, it's not going bad on you, keeping it in good condition. Just the everyday, uh, you know, what, what is needed every day on that, on that operation. And we still, uh, we still do that. Uh, so we got, we took two operations and we combined them, but it was just a lot more seat time, I would say, uh, you know, I, you know, from planning, spraying, side dressing uh, to harvest. That was, that was what we did. That was what we did. Okay. Okay. And then as far as your operation today, maybe number of acres you're you're farming, maybe the number of head of cattle that you're finishing, and how many uh employees do you have? Well, today we've kept our, our uh acre base, you know, it's we consistently farm around two thousand acres. Uh we have added some grassland for pasture for grazing. But we've, you know, we've consistently managed about 2,000 acres. Um, a lot of that, you know, it's family ground. We got quite a bit of rent. I'd say half and half is family ground and half rented. Okay. Uh, so that's been a pretty good balance. And then we've added uh, on any given day, on any given day, we we like to have around 12 to 1,500 head of cattle on feed. They're not all necessarily at our place, but we have some backgrounders that'll background some cattle for us. So we like to have around 12 to 1500 head of cattle on feed and we've in the past in the past uh, couple of years we've added a beef cow uh operation and we've, we've got around 300 cow calf pairs around now too so that's kind of a gist of our our operation we have two full-time very good guys uh, they're 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 well-rounded I, I i got lucky here that they, they really love livestock they're they're good at it and they're good operators too. And we got a we got a guy that's part time. He's a pretty good mechanic. And you know, my wife and I, my dad loves to run the combine. <laughs> that's what he does. So uh, he runs the combine. My mom, she's very good. She brings us, she cooks, and she keeps us fed. Uh, so that's kind of how we operate up here, I guess. That that sounds like a lot of farm operations. Yeah, I'm I'm like your dad. If if I was a farmer, I'd be out. To, operating the combine uh you know a couple of weeks ago i was up uh, on my ground that i lease out and uh, 
I was riding the combine and I, I was really enjoying it because we were actually on some fairly steep ground, not the steepest ground I've ever been on, but you know, it's the type of ground where, you know, you're going to slide down the hill a little bit when you're cutting. And, uh, and, uh, if you start going down a hill, you got to brace yourself so you don't go hitting the windshield. So, uh, that, that for me, that's the fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, for the flatlanders like in Iowa, you know, maybe not so much. So <laughs> we don't, we don't know much about those hills. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, flat. you know, if you go to Eastern Iowa, I know we're on the Mississippi area river and then the Missouri River. There's there's some breaks over there that probably got that 20, 30 percent slope. But uh, you know, in our area, we're talking 40, 50 or 60 percent slope. So that, that, that gets a little steeper. That, that, yes, that is crazy. Yeah. Well, if you look back, I, you know, you, um, you've been doing this for approximately 20 years. Plus, you know, we know as a teenager and you're probably like me. I, I there's several photos of me on the combine when I'm six months old. Uh, you know, sitting on my dad's lap and so on. Um, but if you look back on on what you've done, what did you do right? What did you do wrong? And maybe what would you do over? Well, that's a loaded question. Uh, you know, it seems some days it seems like we're doing more wrong than right, but it all averages out. Uh, but I guess what we've done right, we've we've done a good job of finding balance uh i i feel that that's important in a in a farming operation uh our, our goal my goal uh is for this operation is that the the row crop and the cattle feeding uh, the cattle operation are are complementing each other and walking hand in hand uh, so we're not supplementing one to take care of the other uh so that's kind of my my goal right now, and I spend a lot of time making sure that each each operation is carrying its weight. And uh, you know, right now the the beef cattle prices are a little slugged. We're, we've been fighting that, but the the manure from these these animals yeah. is so valuable. Uh, it's it's kind of it's a wash. So it's yeah. that's our goal is to finding that balance, and I think we've done a, a pretty good job at that. Uh, what we've done wrong, you know, some of this stuff, uh, it takes a lot of time. You know, maybe we should, you know, we were, we were at, for a couple of years, we were pretty underpowered. Uh, we could have used some more labor, maybe some more machinery. We ran, we were watching the budget more so than the operation. We maybe should have added some, some loader capacity, some spreader capacity, uh, maybe some more manpower. So now, uh, you know, this I've really made investment in people. That's that's our investment that we've made this past year. Is uh, we need to get good people on board here, make sure that they're they're taken care of, and make sure they know that we're we couldn't do this without them. So right now, our our, our goal is to make that investment in the people, and we've done that. We've got, like I said, we've got some really good guys. Uh, think the world of them, and and that's that's the key. Keeping everybody, you know, not every day is easy, but yeah. to make sure everybody's able to get over the hill and keep moving forward. And we, so far, I think I think we're we're getting there. It's a okay. everyday struggle, but we're getting there. Is there anything you do over differently? You know, maybe some of the, um, you know, when we were in the building phase. Uh, you know, I, I definitely would have added the, the facility sooner. Uh, 
they really they're they're worth their in in our climate when then we got the cold harsh winters the yep. the, the wet springs the, the facilities i'm not going to say they're necessary but they are nice uh, they are nice and they they allow you to manage your time better so i, I if we had to go back to when we started we, we if i could do it over again we would have added the facilities right away and and just started from there um, okay okay yeah. one again you are a relatively younger producer um what what is good about being a young producer and maybe what is bad about being a younger producer well uh i guess i'm kind of a tweener now uh I, <laughs> or i'm not sure where to categorize myself in but having youth on your side uh you know that that optimism that that energy that you have the and the excitement everything's it's new you're eager to greet each day that's like, you know even when you, we go to these young farmer events I, I, that's what i take away from them is the the energy that the young the youth possess that's you know that that's great that's that the i would say that having that that drive would yeah. be the best thing for the young producer and the bad part about it is oh man uh, building in agriculture today the amount of capital required that's tough when you're you know if you if you step into the land auction the local land auction and you say all right i'm gonna buy this farm uh that that's tough for a young producer so that would have that that's kind of a detriment right now so those two the, the having the drive is a great thing but you know the, the equity in today's world uh, it's a challenge it, it is a challenge uh, uh you know it's just uh, well you know every every week you know i get a what i look at twitter and so on when the land is going for in iowa and you know it's 10 15 well 10's on the low side it's 15 20,000 25,000 uh then you go to other parts of the country you go back to central pennsylvania and it starts at twenty five thousand. so uh you know it's 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 just a lot of capital to, uh, to become a new farmer whether you're young or not if you want to become a new farmer uh, you know it's sort of like the old joke i remember hearing this joke when i was a kid you know how do you make a small fortune in farming you start with a large one so uh you know that's uh, that's sort of the reality these days at times yeah that's for sure well, uh, Tony, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for a sponsor message, and then we'll come back and continue the conversation. Okay. Get timely updates about taxation, accounting, succession planning, and other issues that are unique to farmers and agribusiness processors. Find out about major agribusiness events and how to comply with new laws that affect your business. Subscribe to Farm CPA at blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness and experience the CLA promise. blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness. Welcome back, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I'm Paul Neifer, your host, and we're going to go ahead and rejoin our conversation with Tony Schwartz from northern, almost Minnesota, but northern Iowa. And uh, now, 
Uh, Tony, you have a couple younger kids. You have a six-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son, if I remember right. I think I got that right. Um, yeah. Have you started thinking about any type of succession plan for them? Um, yes. Yes and no. Uh, it's now is the year exactly right. Now is the time we need to be putting these in place as we've we talked about the capital required if they're going to be involved in agriculture. We need to start them young. Um, but I guess coming from a, a, a family farming operation, uh, I need to figure out first. I guess what I my, my focus is right now is to figure out where their interests lie. Because some of the things I've seen fail in some of these, uh, these operations were, were uh, Putting two people that have or, or different different mindsets together can sometimes be a challenge. So my goal right now with my children is to figure out their interests and how we can combine them to make them work together uh, and then go from there. So that's what I'll be in the next several years. I'll be kind of watching them, see, hey, what? Because you know, my goal. I have a son and a daughter. My goal. My daughter can do anything. The son can. Uh, agriculture's changed. Uh, you know, yep. I hope that both of them come on board and we can we can make things work. So, yeah, our succession planning needs to start now. And uh, each year we need to give more thought to it so we're prepared for it. Now, in your history, it sounded like that you joined the farming operation right out of high school. Uh, as far as for your kids, do you want them to go to college and then maybe have a career outside of farming the family farm for a couple of years or is your 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 motivation you'd love to have them start right away i'm because it there's no one right answer i know a lot of operations you do have to you know have a career somewhere else just to make sure that you really want to be a farmer I, i'm just curious if you thought about that yet yeah uh you know depending on how tired dad is at the time i guess we'll make that decision but that's a joke uh I yeah they need to get and I I too when we didn't have the beef operation I had some off farm experiences uh, and they're they're valuable uh, so I that's the time to do it to get out there and and really figure out what it is you're you know if you're not passionate about something yeah it's gonna be hard to do it so they need to find their passion uh, and that that's that's that comes from within each each person so that yeah i would like to see them uh explore different venues and and hope after doing that that hey yeah we want it because if they they're going to be a part of the operation we want them passionate about it and and uh we want them to succeed and you have to yeah, th yeah exactly i i've i've been i've been involved in some operations where you have the discussion with the uh, mom and dad and they're eagerly awaiting the the son or the daughter to be involved and then you have the discussions with the son and the daughter and they're like the only reason we're involved in this farm is because we think mom and dad want us involved it's really not our passion and it's like that's just a rest recipe for disaster at that point oh for sure for sure yeah. now i know i know that your wife erica is involved on the financial side and i know that both of you really like to crunch your numbers and since i'm a cpa i like hearing that uh, you know for the listeners out there just go over why having good accounting knowing your costing knowing your your financial structure 
really helps you make much better management decisions? Well, uh, you know, my wife, Erica, she's very talented. Uh, she she can keep records. She's very good with the records, and I, I lean on her. Sometimes she gets frustrated with me, but uh, <laughs> I, I lean on her because having that knowledge, uh, you know, everybody's, everybody, in my opinion, and what I try to do, everybody's goal is to make money, you know, that you won't be in business if you're not. But we run a cash basis accounting system, so we have to be, you know, we have to be checked and balanced every year. Uh, so we can come through, we can show a huge, a huge profit. But then at the end of the year, yeah, you, you catch people scrambling. Like, oh my goodness, we had a great year. So my, what I try to do throughout the year is to balance it, uh, make sure we're showing steady growth because the bank's not going to want to be partners with us if we're not. But don't, don't show huge, uh, you don't want to show a, lot, a, a lot, but you don't want to, you know, trying to find that balance. So it, having that record and knowing where you're at allows you, hey, do we need to buy some fertilizers? Do we need to get some feed purchase? Uh, something on, you know, what do we need to do here versus being forced into a situation or do we need to hold a pen of cattle into the new year? Where are we at? You have to, you have to have an understanding of where your operation is so you can make the, the smart decisions to keep moving forward. Yeah, no, I, it's, uh, um, and, and that's the one thing I really see more so on the livestock side, whether it's dairy, whether it's uh, a beef finishing, whether it's hog finishing, poultry, whatever it might be, is that it seems like you crunch your numbers a whole lot better than on the row crop side. That That's, that's just sort of the observation that I see all the time. Yeah, and it, it's capital, you know, when we added the livestock system, uh, it's capital intensive. So it, you can be, you can think you're on top of the world and boy, we're, we got, we got some, some uh, area for margin. And then, you know, you get some, just like now these feeder cattle are jumping up in prices and your line of credits might not be where they need to be because they're costing, you know, four or $500 a head more. So you just, it, it takes it takes a lot of time in the office and understanding where you're at and and otherwise it'd be pretty easy to to make a miss to take a step in the wrong direction if you're not watching your p's and q's yeah no it's it's definitely that way um you were named the top producer horizon award winner back in 2019 I'm I'm just curious uh, how that process went and what if you learned anything from that or I, I was just curious how that went. Yeah, that was uh, one of the most humbling experiences of uh, our operations uh, history. You know that when Sarah Schaefer made the call and told us that uh, we had won that, but I just kind of was like, wow. Uh, so it was a very humbling moment, and it's. It's been a lot of fun, Paul, uh, you know, going to these top producer summits and we are gaining so much knowledge just in the networking side. Uh, we've been blessed with wonderful contacts that are just full of knowledge and, and great people. So that's been, of all of that, the best takeaway would be uh, the network that has been 
given to us here that that we're taking full advantage of. We've learned a lot. Uh, so that that's been pretty. And then also meeting the meeting the past winners and the previous winners. That's been a lot of fun too. And and networking with them and saying, well, what's working, what's not working, and it's just been a great experience. And we're very thankful, uh, very thankful for the opportunity. Okay. Okay. It's um, you know, I I know that. Uh, I, I've certainly been involved with uh, top producer now. I can't believe it's I think 12 years now, 11 or 12 years, and it, it's just it's great getting around, seeing those operations such as yours that uh, are progressive and 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 seem to know what they're doing. Now we know there's days where you don't feel like you know what you're doing, but uh, uh, on on average, you definitely know what you're doing. Well, we we try to act like we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, we're getting close to the end of our conversation. I always ask two questions. So the, the first question I'm going to ask is, uh, what keeps you up at night? Um, you know, sometimes uh, the challenge is, you know, not only being an operator, you have to, you know, every day I put my boots on and try to make sure everything's moving smoothly, but uh, keeping, keeping the numbers in check. And uh, when I lay down at night, and things slow down and I lay there and I think that's when I kind of do my own. So we, you worked all day, you've seen what happened at night when I'm laying there, I'm thinking about the budget and where we need to put dollars. And so that, trying to shut your mind off, uh, but that's kind of the routine I built my life around is when things slow down, that's when my mind can kind of work. And so that's what keeps me up at night is crunching numbers. Yep. Well, that's uh, sounds a little bit. Well, yeah, I'm. You know, if people were to ask me that question, um, there's not too much that keeps me up at night. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think what might keep me up at night. Uh, it would probably be crunching some numbers too. So, <laughs> but, yeah. Now, and and then the last question I always like to ask is, uh, what is your definition of success in farming? Well, I said it once, but it goes back to me. It, if you're passionate, if you wake up every day and you're ready to get outside and and greet the day, that's success in my mind. Because if if you're not enjoying what you're doing, uh, you're it's going to be tough to be successful. So I I would say if you if you are passionate about the the ag industry and you you just smile going to work, you're successful. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I, I tend to agree. I mean, it's. Uh, and, and and every time I ask this question, you know the answers are sort of along that uh, same same bent, and and uh, uh, you know, and farming is definitely um, something that both you and I have a passion for, and I, I think it shows through. Yeah, absolutely, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to go over today? No, I want to just thank you for your time, and uh, it's been a lot of fun here having this conversation. Well, definitely, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for being on the, on the podcast. And again, this is the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I am Paul Nefer, your host, signing off. Thank you.